G'day everyone, I am home again. Back uh, back with the good light. Actually, I was going to say back with the good lighting and the good sound and everything, but I thought what I did at, uh, at Qualia in Hamilton Island a week ago now actually came out pretty well. I was looking back at it later on. I finally got that like shotgun road mic to work really well. Had a nice uh, nice tripod for everything, a little light on the top of it. This was that Rode, they call it Rode Vodcast or something kit that they sent me after I had problems with their first mic, which was nice. But it is good to be back. I've got like proper lights and screens and things like that. I'm going to be back not even for a week. <laughs> so I am about to go away again. G'day Mike, just joined in. Merry Christmas. Yep, that's old news. It's gone. Uh, we're doing Happy New Year today. So at the moment, where's my clock? Because it's all moved on Windows 11. It is 7.46 in the morning tomorrow for Mike and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, so we're, uh, we're counting down to New Year's Eve. We are about to go away again. Next week is going to be somewhere even more amazing. <laughs> it's going to be super, super cool. I expect when I do this video in a week from now, I, I don't expect to actually have any connectivity. So that might be a pre-record and then I'll have to publish it when I come back online, uh, as well as publishing photos and things. But it, uh, I just won't say any more about it now. You'll see. You'll see. We'll get to that. All right. Speaking of getting to things, let's begin. Sponsors this week. Sponsor again is Collide. Collide has been there for the last two weeks, I believe, as well which is fantastic. And as I said last week, having sponsors like Collide allows me to do the stuff I do here and then actually go away without having to go overseas. <laughs> you know, go and have fun and, uh, and keep doing these videos. Collide enables cross-platform fleet visibility for your Linux, Mac and Windows devices. Start your 14-day trial today. So I've said before, like I really like it when sponsors do actually give something away as well. Uh, it's one thing to have a, a line of text on my blog. It's another thing to go, hey, here's the thing, like actually give it a go. So please go and give that a go. Click the link. <laughs> Try Collide today for free. Okay, who's joining here? Oh, a whole bunch of people. Steve, Steven, hello everyone. Captain Irrelevant <laughs> says, hey Troy, did you see the news that the journo who hacked the website using F12 might be apparently charged according to the governor? Yes, I did see the news and I tweeted about it literally like 10 minutes ago. Now, if this is news to you, and it shouldn't be because it was all over the news, well, what, six weeks ago? <laughs> this is Governor Parsons. What is he? Missouri governor? Let's find the original story here. Missouri governor, I believe. Uh, a journalist committed the cardinal sin of viewing the source code of a page requested organically. Organically being, so it wasn't like parameter tampering or stuff like that. It's like, hey, I loaded a web page, I went F12 view source, and in that source, he saw social security numbers and said, oh, this isn't a very good thing. Uh, and now he's in trouble because he viewed source. And the, the boing boing headline here, it just feels like a relevant boing boing story. Reporter likely to be charged for using view source feature on web browser, which is just a. I, I, the, the static image I had for my um, for this live stream was literally the three D printed dumpster fire of twenty twelve, oh twenty twenty one. Jeez, twenty twenty twelve was fine compared to this twenty twenty one dumpster fire. If you're listening to this, come and have a look at the image later on. Uh, I was going to talk about all sorts of other dumpster fire stuff for 2021, but I think this does take the cake as one of the most ridiculous stories. So anyway, this uh, <laughs> this, this guy is not happy. 
And in there, he, he tries to use this IRL analogy, and I hate, hate, hate with a passion IRL analogies for technology. So keep in mind, we're talking about a reporter who's gone to a website. The website has downloaded onto his computer via the magic of HTTP, and then via the magic of HTML, the markup is rendered onto the screen. He has inspected that markup on his own machine, and the governor says, <laughs> I'll do this with a straight face. <laughs> if someone picks your lock on your house for whatever reason, it's not a good lock. It's a cheap lock. Go and watch Lock Picking Lawyer, see how many expensive locks he picks. It's a cheap lock, or whatever problem you might have, but they do not have the right to go into your house and take anything that belongs to you. But that's not really the way it worked, isn't it? It was almost like your house came out and gave everything to the person who was outside if the house had like ejected everything into the this is why IRL analogies completely suck so I tweeted after this uh, I wrote a blog post in 2018 now and the the title of the blog post is IRL analogies explaining digital concepts are terrible and that the hero image for this remember the old uh, recording industry campaign against piracy and it was you wouldn't steal a car and they're trying to compare stealing a car with piracy and of course the fundamental problem here is that if someone steals your car you no longer have the car if someone pirates something you still have the thing but there are just more cop and there's it just all goes downhill from there anyway off topic the point is is this whole thing about breaking into someone's house picking a lock is just absolute bullshit crazy I think it'd be really inter- like, okay, go ahead, charge the guy. It'd be really interesting to actually see this end up in court somewhere and just get completely shredded. Uh, I would love to see Governor Parsons uh, have his proverbial ass handed to him. Is that an IRL analogy? I don't know. Anyway, Stephen says, have you built the 3D printer add-on yet? So I'll talk about 3D printing since I've got various things around me. So I got this 3D printer. It's almost a year ago now. In fact, this time last year, we were in uh, Uluru, uh, which some of you may know as Ayers Rock, the name we used to call it, the big bloody rock in the desert. Uh, in, in fact, this time and one day from now, we got engaged. So that I should remember that. That's a, that's a very important date. Anyway, after that, went down to South Australia, visited a, a childhood friend of mine, and he had one of these three printers. And he talked me into buying one, which didn't take much effort. And since then, we've been playing with this printer, building all sorts of stuff, like these burning dumpster fire of 2021. I'll give another good example. For those of you watching this, over my left shoulder, looks like a little white box. Now, if I turn this on, It's going to look kind of crap there because things are going to be a bit blurred out, but it's a lithophane. And a lithophane, in fact, I've got some on my desk just here. Some early examples didn't work very well. When you look at this, it'll look mostly like a bit of a blob of white. But when you get light behind it, I think I can do this with my phone, it actually turns into a photo, which is kind of cool. Ah, you barely see it. Anyway, Google lithophane. You'll figure it out. So anyway, we've been building stuff like that. That's fun. Uh, my original plan was I was going to make the really cool lithophane because that's actually sitting there in a little holder as well and there'd be five of them and they'd look really cool and they'd be like family photos and I'd give it to my parents for Christmas and it would be the first time I think I've made a, a gift and given it to my parents since I was a child so I thought oh that's going to be kind of cool uh, and then I had problems printing them changed the nozzle got a better nozzle seems to be better anyway so to the point here Stephen's made uh 
normally when you have a 3D printer, you have uh, an extruder. So the filament comes through into this extruder. It heats it up to 200 plus degrees, depending on the type of filament. And then the nozzle kind of does all these layers. And it is one filament with one color. Now, for something like my dumpster fire here, these are all separately printed parts. So the outside flame is a red part. The inside flame is an orange part, so on and so forth. You can do things like, for those of you who have seen my Have I Been Pwned logos, you can change the filament partway through. So I print the base in blue, and then I'm like, okay, when you get, for argument's sake, three millimeters high, stop, let me change the filament, and then it does the bit in white. However, what happens if you want to do something that has many color changes in it, perhaps different colors on the same layer? Well, this is where you need what Prusa calls an MMU, a multi-material unit. And this this is kind of intimidating, which is partly why I haven't set it up yet. But what it is, is it's a device that can have uh, effectively up to five different filament colors. And you, you have, so you have your five different spools of filament. You feed them into this MMU. So each one has got a different point where it gets fed in. And then there's a little motor which can then pull that filament through and feed it through eventually into the same extruder which the printer already uses. But you end up with this ability to go through and keep changing and selecting different filaments as it prints. Uh, and then as it does that as well, the extruder has inevitably got this you know super hot 200 plus degree filament in it. So it has to spit that extra bit out over to the side and then it gets the new one in and it pulls it through and it makes sure it's all clean in the next color. And it spits that out into this block that keeps building up, which is like all your extra filament. And then it goes and it lays that on the image or, or the image, the 3D model. And the ones that are done well just look absolutely freaking amazing. Because imagine now things like uh, one of the ones I saw that was just super, super cool is like a Deadpool that looks like a Deadpool figurine that you'd go and buy from the shops. And it has the like the black and the red and the white of the eyes and whatever else. So I have set up uh, an external box that can hold six different filaments. Uh, so I, I think they call it a repo box. I've got to share a photo of that later on. I got an external filament buffer. <laughs> it's all getting so complicated. Your filament buffer is so that when the filament gets pulled back out of the extruder, ready to change the color, and there's all this extra filament, it can't really automatically go back on the roll. So it goes into effectively a, a little cavity so that when you come back to it again, it just pulls that out and then pulls more off the spool. And the last thing I've got to do now is, is actually uh, take off the old spool holders, put on the MMU. There's another chip that needs to go into, into the power board there as well. The power board into the INSI uh, microprocessor. Other connectors and things and stuff I don't even really know yet. And I'm just looking at it going, everything's working really well at the moment. <laughs> Am I sure I want to do this? But it's exciting for the kids too. And there, there's been a, a new version of Prusa Slicer launched only a couple of weeks ago which looks like it makes it much, much easier for, say, the kids to have a 3D model and to, like, select logical parts of it and go, I want to make this one this colour and that one that colour and that one that colour. So I think it's going to be a, a, a really cool way of, like, levelling up all of our experience printing. Uh, so anyway, Stephen, I'll share that, mate, as soon as I get it up and working. Comments about SSNs and IRLs and other TLAs. Um, Ben says, if you paint your keyboard on your house in another picture, you can't sue someone walking by. That makes about as much sense as going to Parsons. <laughs> Step on the ball says, you wouldn't screenshot an NFT. Oh, geez. NFT stuff blew up this week. Apparently someone was making NFTs that were images of InfoSec people 
and some people got really, really cranky about it, which I can partly see, but it seemed really, really weird. I think I'm going to avoid that discussion until I understand more about what actually happened. <clears throat> bit about needing to get away from these IRLs. Um, Stephen says, don't worry. I heard that earlier... Uh, don't worry, I had the Uluru before Airs Rock this time. Yeah, yeah, uh, people get very... Some people get very sensitive about that. I know what you mean, regardless of which one you use. Ivan says, Hi, do you watch the Honest Government Ads <coughs> YouTube channel? <laughs> no, but I think maybe I should start. Uh, Rambling Geek, is this stream only buffering for anyone else? Not buffering for me, I feel, in real time. Um, Mike sort of went choppy. All right, sorry. Australian internet can't do anything about it. As far as I know, it's fine. All right. Uh, let me move on because I did have a lot of stuff today. Oh, the VAC stuff. Oh, geez, it's a mess in Australia now. One of the latest numbers. So we uh, we got ourselves double VAX as early as we could because we're sensible people. <laughs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Did get our boosters two days ago. <clears throat> there was a bit of discussion about um, do you mix so we had Pfizer uh, the first two times around. At that, at that time, AstraZeneca was only being given to uh, given to people of older demographics. So we had the two Pfizer's, hundred pretty much a hundred percent. I do remember later on. I think I had one Panadol after the second one, um, but that was it. And then a couple of days ago, uh, we've scheduled to finally get our, our booster. Australia's changing their their timelines a little bit. Uh, it used to be you had to you had to wait six months after your second dose to get a booster or to be eligible for a booster. Then they brought it down to five months. We've got Omicron raging at the moment. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, so, yeah, that went down to five months, which was fine for uh, Charlotte and I. So that, that meant that we were able to get our, our booster two days ago. They've now just brought it down to four months. So as of, I think, the 4th of Jan, it'll be four months. And obviously the, the challenge of the government here, and I suspect everywhere else, is like trying to balance the supply and the demand and get it to the right people at the right time. Um, at the moment, we just have massive problems with the availability of, of both PCR tests and, and rapid antigen tests as well. So I'm sure it's very similar everywhere else. Anyway, long story short, we ended up getting Moduna, Moduna, Moderna, Moderna, <laughs> boosters, jeez, coffee, boosters. Um, I have been, let's say it rounds to 100% fine. I was a little bit tired yesterday afternoon, so I had a bit of a nap for an hour. I'm not sure if it's because of that well, because of the dumpster fire, <laughs> it was 2021. Charlotte has had a sore arm, but that's been about it, and a, a sort of a bit of a sore uh, armpit. But you know, like that's that's been. I don't look. I know it's different for everyone else. Now, some people have some some bad reactions, but so far we are rapidly approaching the 48 hour mark by my clock. We are at what 45 hours right now, uh, and and I I think it's all going to be okay, which is good. So we get to go away with that. Now, the problem that we've got is we have this blissful, blissful life of basically like no COVID. Now, if I just put it in the context of our state here in Queensland, uh, and again, keeping in mind that this state is twice the size of Texas, uh, but we have 5.3 million people, but they're pretty much all around the edge. There's really not much in the middle of Australia other than the big rock, which we keep referring to. So we were, uh, we were tracking along really well. Now, when I say really well, up until... Let's just go back like two weeks. So for the entire period of coronavirus in the state of 5.3 million people, as of two weeks ago, we'd had 2,209 cases in total. 
Like if there was one case in this entire state, it would be like headline news. That 2,209 number two weeks later is now 10,752. So it is just suddenly starting to massively uptick here. New South Wales, I think there's about 8 million people, something in New South Wales, which is a state just beneath us. That is uh, that is setting records. They just announced today's number by the look of it. What's the time? That is today's number. Holy crap, 21,000. But this is how quickly it's escalated. So four days ago, 6,000. Three days ago, 11,000. Yesterday, 12,000. Today, 21,000, which is massive. But but it's a big difference between cases 18 months ago or even six months ago and cases today because what is kind of interesting is the hospitalizations and i'm sure this is again very similar in other parts of the world where the rate of hospitalizations of course that's going to lag the rate of cases because it takes people to often takes them a little while to get sick after they uh, after they test positive the rate of hospitalizations is actually very low which is very fortunate so when we look at our state, and incidentally, those who want to follow along at home, covidlive.com.au. So our, uh, our hospitalizations, uh, we have no one in ICU, which is good news. We have, in our state of 5.3 million people, 103 people in hospital, which is, it's not great. Like, you don't want to be in hospital, don't get me wrong. But if we go back, uh, if we go back a week ago, there were 111 people in hospital. And it is upticking a lot since then. So we, we do seem to have what appears to be a relatively good balance of cases versus actual actual serious life impact on people. Uh, everyone's guessing, though, what will happen next. I just I, I think we just learn to live with it more. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen when the kids go back to school. So they'll go back to school in, what, the 27th of Jan. Um and they're infectious little bastards. For those of you that have kids, you'll know what it's like with kids. I just remember when they started going to, to daycare, and like the gastro bugs, oh, it's just terrible. But they're children. This is what kids do. So I'm kind of curious to see what will happen then. Anyway, that's our, that's our layman's update of COVID-19 in Australia. Let me see the other comments here while I grab some more coffee. Um, Mike, number one, sore arm. Number two, wiped out for half a day. Number three, sore arm. No worries overall. And um, I gotta gotta say, particularly before you know, like two days from now, we're jumping on a plane again. And having, I know that booster does all of the doses do take a while to take full effect as well. But having had that, and that would have been four days then from dose to plane, and then obviously will be somewhere I'll talk about when I get there and start sharing photos. But Having had that and knowing that particularly for young, healthy people with two doses and a booster, you know, it was, it's, it's peace of mind. Very peace of mind. I don't care about a sore arm for that. Uh, Rando says, just get your boost the day after the second jab. I don't think it works that way. Uh, Captain Irrelevant hallucinated in their sleep on the first AZ shot. AZ. It sounds like American now. AZ shot. Wake up, Troy. Um... Rando was wiped out for the rest of the day on number one. Tiny fever, number two. Number three, see number one. Oh. Someone here is from Vietnam. G'day. <laughs> Welcome. Don't know if that translates very well, but anyway. Stephen had two Pfizer, then Moderna as well. Apart from the sore arm and feeling a bit rough the next day, it was all good. Um, Stratus, happy uh, New Year for tomorrow. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. 
Stephen says nearly 190,000 new cases in the UK. So I was looking up some some numbers because I'm always sort of in. I I feel like myself and probably most people here are very sort of numbers driven people. We're, we're in a you know, for the most part, most of us are in a sort of a scientific discipline. I dropped out of my science degree. Doesn't matter, but anyway, I'm a numbers guy. So UK has, uh, by my numbers, I was looking up yesterday, has got about 65 million people in it. France, I believe, about the same. Uh, France yesterday was headline news because they had uh, over 200,000 cases. To Stephen's point, about 190,000 cases, pretty similar. Now that, by my numbers, makes those populations about two and a half times uh, the size of Australia. So 200,000 cases. If we get to, what's that, about 80,000 cases here in a day, that's going to be pro rata, pretty similar. What is different here at the moment, particularly compared to the UK, uh, is it's nice. Okay, okay half kid. Uh, it's, it's 24 degrees, it's warm, it's sunny, and we, we still have a very sparsely distributed population and and we can sort of we've just been keeping our sort of social circles to pretty much people in our immediate neighborhood and my parents so we can go outside and we can like paddle around on the water and uh or you know jump in the pool or go for a bike ride or a walk and we're never sort of coming actually close to people so i feel like our ability to weather it certainly here a little bit different if you're in like a high rise in sydney or melbourne or something but here and lots of other parts of australia uh, we do get to have that sort of low density low interaction sort of lifestyle which does help um step on the wall so we have only four times people florida at 20 million and 4,400 hospitalized wow yeah that's massive isn't it now i understand florida also has an aging population so maybe that has that has an impact as well josh agrees that kids are infectious little bastards good consensus there um what else is in here? Before I go on to... Oh, the next one's going to be fun. Uh, someone here had their third booster from Pfizer last week in Romania. One and two was okay. So isn't it interesting? Like everyone has very, very different reactions and it, it doesn't really seem to fit any pattern. It's not like the old people have adverse reactions and then the young fit people are fine. Um our son, who is 12, after his first one, fine. After his second one, he had a few days off school. He really wasn't himself. Uh, other people who I would have expected maybe wouldn't fare so well uh, have, have done, um, done, done, done just fine. And I, I guess we're saying, actually, the day we got the shot. So, look, there's no rhyme or reason as far as I can tell. The only thing you can do is try and be as fit and healthy as you can, and that'll put you in the best position, and then the rest is who knows. All right, so... Uh, let's go on to dildos. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the crazy world of InfoSec. <laughs> now, this is relevant. Bear with me. Bear with me. It's If you have kids in the car, just tell them it's a Christmas toy or something like that. There was a tweet. Uh, this was actually nine days ago. I didn't talk about it last week. Crypto BitLord. <laughs> the tweet says, This morning... At 5.40 a.m., my desktop MetaMask was hacked and drained of all funds and NFT. So MetaMask, of course, is an online crypto wallet. The only thing I did differently was charge a brand new dildo on my computer and installed the app. Let that sink in just for a moment. Bad choice of words. Still trying to wrap my head around this, but I think I was just hacked by a fucking dildo. Now, where do we begin? Um... 
I quote Twitter this, and I said, I always say that one of the things I love most about this industry is never knowing what crazy stuff I'm going to wake up to each day. This is up there. And it is. This is a, this is a, this is a noteworthy story. Let's, let's just go with noteworthy. And it's an entirely feasible story as well because we've seen particularly any IoT device, be it an adult device or otherwise, uh, regularly just pushed out on the cheap with very, very little testing and, frankly, often just completely terrible. Somewhere, oh, there it is, still on my shelf. On my shelf over there is still a child tracking watch, which was absolutely horrifically bad. Insecure director object references all over the place, sold to thousands of Australians, uh, same as the crap that's been sold to thousands of you know, Brits or Americans or Norwegians or whatever else it may be. So I did a story on that with Ken Munro um, ooh, nearly three years ago now. So it would have been 2019. So it's kind of, on the one hand, a very unsurprising story. Now, I did have a couple of people later on say, this is a joke, it's not real. Now, that may be the case or it may not be the case. But either way, it demonstrates Poe's law. Now, for those of you not familiar with Poe's law, let's just read the definition here. Poe's law is an adage of internet culture stating that, without a clear indicator of the author's intent, every parody of extreme views can be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of the views being parodied. In other words, shit is so weird on the internet that it's very, very difficult to tell anymore without the intent being stated whether or not it's actually accurate or not. And I think that's the case here as well. Like, I don't know if it was real or not, but that was, uh, that was feasible. It was feasible in every possible way. All right. <laughs> There's not many comments for that. It's just Stratus. <laughs> Stratus said I had a, a nice choice of words. The problem is, and look, I've covered a lot of really, uh, let me be half serious for a moment, covered a lot of really edgy security incidents, particularly with the nature of some of the websites that have had data breaches, like very fetish-orientated websites or or things that are, yeah, not my thing, but okay, fine, there's people out there that that like Ewok porn or whatever it may be. Uh, and yes, that was really a thing because there was adult fan fiction, which was basically like adult-orientated fiction about, maybe it wasn't just Ewoks, but it was like vampires and stuff like that as well. I don't care. <laughs> Go away and do whatever you want as long as it's legal. Um, but trying to trying to explain it and articulate it in any possible way that doesn't sound like you're making jokes just gets enormously hard. Oh, you see what I mean? So like, it's just a very, very difficult thing. But also, we're like, why can't we have a bit of fun with it? Seriously, it's, it's, it's a data breach. Move on. Speaking of which, let's move on. Let's talk about more breach-related things. Um, last pass. Now, this is interesting because this led to much hand-waving. So a few days ago, a bunch of people started saying, look, they're getting security alerts from LastPass that someone else had logged into their account. And there were people, I think particularly, I can't remember if it was a Reddit thread or a Hacker News thread. So a bunch of people saying, um, look, I have a strong master password. I haven't used it anywhere else. Uh, I logged in, changed my password, and then I got another alert. So, you know, the alert is basically saying someone else has logged into your account. And look, your your password manager, regardless of which one it is you choose, is like the keys to your kingdom. It's enormously, enormously disconcerting if 
you are of the belief that someone else has gotten your password manager. I mean, just like take a step back for a moment and think, if someone had access to everything in your password manager, what could they do to your life? Uh, they could go through all your emails. They'd have access to your social media accounts, to your direct message history. If you're like me, and many of you are, and you've got things in the cloud, do they have access to your cloud things? Like how much how much damage could they do to your life? And if, if you knew that someone had access to your password manager, where do you even begin trying to patch that? Probably begin with your email. Um, it's a, it's just an absolute mess. So people were losing their minds, and I totally understand why. But things weren't really adding up because all these people are saying, you know, effectively someone else has access to my master password. So there was this one sort of train of thought from people which was, well, LastPass must be like storing the master password in plain text and someone's gotten access to, to them. Yeah, let's say, for argument's sake, they've SQL injected LastPass and got access to master passwords. Now, I don't know how LastPass does their stuff, but I would, I would make a substantial bet that they do not store passwords in plain text or in, in master passwords or in any other way that was usable in any fashion that should someone get access to their data, uh, they could actually do damage with. So that just didn't really add up. There was another uh, another train of thought here, which was that it was credential stuffing. In fact, an early comment from LastPass spoke about credential stuffing. Uh, so, in fact, here's this is their disclosure message here. Uh, or the, well, it's not even a disclosure message because there's nothing to disclose in terms of data breach. But it said, our initial finding led us to believe that these alerts were triggered in response to attempted credential stuffing activity in which a malicious or bad actor attempts to access user accounts in this case, LastPass, using email addresses and passwords obtained from third-party breaches related to other unaffiliated services. Now, that the, the Occam's razor at the time, right? Like, what is the easiest possible explanation? That's going to be the most likely thing. That sounded very reasonable because we do see massive amounts of credential stuffing. I really feel like 2021, dumpster fire year, credential stuffing has been a huge topic throughout so, seemed feasible, but that would only be feasible if people were reusing their master password somewhere else. And I made the comment in here somewhere, and I got in trouble for this, but <laughs> because it's the internet, uh, I made the comment that if, if you're smart enough to use a password manager, you're almost certainly smart enough not to be reusing a password for your master password. Uh, the bit I got in trouble with is people like, that sounds condescending to say, if you're smart enough, you'll use password it's not condescending it's just true <laughs> like, if you're smart you will use a password manager um now okay in, in fairness we, we could sort of delve down a little bit and go okay well you need to be consciously aware of the risks of anyway you know what i mean so there's that but then he had people saying well no the master password is unique i've never used it anywhere before and i've literally just changed it and i got the same alert so then there's another train of thought, which was, well, malware. So is it malware? Because if you had malware on your machine and it was logging keystrokes and you were literally typing in your master password, well, well, that could explain it. Uh, that's sort of like the next most likely answer. Now, the one that I didn't, and perhaps I just didn't realize that what we're seeing here wasn't people actually gaining access to people's password manager, but it was the alerts that were being sent. So... LastPass has since said, our investigation has since found that some of these security alerts, which were sent to a limited subset of LastPass users, which I imagine a limited subset is still a substantial number of people, were likely triggered in error. 
So it seems to be the TLDR of this is that the only thing that's gone wrong here is false positives in terms of indicating that someone has logged onto their account. Now, there are many, many different services, including other password managers, where when you do log on from a new device, you get a security alert. And this is comforting because you log on, you get the alert, and you're like, okay, sweet. As soon as someone logs onto this account, I'm being told that was me, good to go, no problems. But I imagine that if, if you hadn't done anything and then you suddenly got that alert, that would be really, really worrying. So I guess it's good news in the outcome, but that that does look really bad. And there have been some other incidents in the past which does consistently raise the question. And, and not just about LastPass. Obviously, I have a strong 1Password affiliation, but the question that everybody was then raising, or many people were raising, was can we trust online password managers? It's like, well, what are your options? And it's, it's not to say this is no good, but it's better than other things. That's not quite my point. It's like, okay, well, if, if you don't do this, what are you going to do? Uh, if you have no password manager, well, then that's just terrible because you're going to reuse your passwords everywhere and someone's going to get into one account and then credential stuffing really will own your ass. You could have an offline one, and many people suggested that, uh, and there are offline password managers out there. You can do that, and then you have to take responsibility for syncing it across all of your devices, iPhone, iPad, laptop, PC, <laughs> watch, you have to take responsibility for that. Also, you have to take responsibility for backing it up because if you don't back it up and you lose it, well, now you've got a really big problem. And this is not to say that that model is wrong, but it's it's that every model has its own strengths and weaknesses. And there are folks out there, let's say folks who might be particularly high-value targets, uh, but they're also very technically savvy and they can manage the synchronization and the backups and everything, well, then that might be the best model for you. We don't need to have this sort of one model that works for everyone. What I do know is if it's, let's say my mate Raf. So a few weeks ago, I spoke about how uh, I went over to my mates and I set him up with one password as a Christmas present uh, with a family's account so the rest of his family can get on board. None of those other models are going to work for him. The only thing that's going to work for him is an online password manager that syncs and backs up and then allows him to do things like share passwords in a family vault. I wrote a blog post some years ago. Uh, what do I call it? Password managers don't have to be perfect. And this was after... In fact, I think this was after another LastPass. <laughs> it begins with LastPass had an issue the other day. This is not meant to be an anti-LastPass thing. Uh, it, 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 it just... Let's, let's just say it's quintessential. LastPass has a, had an issue the other day, a rather nasty one by all accounts, that under certain undisclosed circumstances, it looks like it could have led to someone's password or possibly passwords being disclosed by virtue of remote code execution vulnerability. Now, this was April 2017, and the, the, the whole point of it was the title. Password managers don't have to be perfect. They just have to be better than not having one. If you look for perfection in these things, and I've used the term many times before about security absolutism. In fact, I used that on a blog post about Cloudflare, where people are saying, don't trust Cloudflare because they MITM your traffic. It's like, well, yeah, like that, that's how they look for the bad things and also how they do all the caching and optimization. <laughs> they literally sit there and you hit an edge node and then the edge node decrypts your traffic and then decides whether you need to pass that back on through another encrypted connection back to the origin or not. If you're looking for these things to be perfect, you'll never find the right solution. 
so we're, we're trying to say, like, given all of the circumstances, what is the best thing to do? And, and honestly, if someone's a LastPass user and this thing happened, I wouldn't say, like, go and start using a pen and paper or something like that. It's like, in the scheme of things, it's still the best option you've got. Certainly a password manager, whatever your chosen variety, is the best option we've got. All right, let me have a look at some of the comments here. Hmm. Do you have an opinion on... Herman Cain Award. I've got no idea what that is. I Google that. What's Herman Cain Award? Is that relevant? Herman Cain Award. Awarded posthumously. Reddit's Herman Cain. COVID Award. Ah, okay. That seems to be off topic. If well, that's okay. It's COVID, but not tech. Anyway, move on. Um, Mike Tom said LastPass did not suffer a breach. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, FUD warnings on that one. Um, Rando, happy new year for the evening. Was trying to link an interesting fact a few years ago, but can't find the tweet. Was the Netflix engineer getting pinged because New York happened every hour globally? Ah, okay. All right, not aware of that one. Uh, Captain Relevant, have you heard of the humor-orientated advice where putting a comma in your password can break CSV? I have. I saw that circulating, and frankly, I found that to be mostly rubbish, uh, so I didn't share it. And the reason I find it to be mostly rubbish is it's predicated on the password being stored in plain text somewhere. And it's also predicated on, uh, let's say it wasn't plain text, but it was, let's say it was a SHA-1 hash. So there's no longer a comma, there's just a hexadecimal hash, but someone goes through and cracks it and the cracker uh, exports that into into a uh, into a plain text version. So someone like hash cats it all and now you've got the original hash and then you've got the plain next to it. That's going to be in a, in a pair. Maybe if you then took that and dumped it somewhere else and you were using software that wasn't correctly encoding for the output context, which would be CSV, which would mean escaping the commas, maybe that would be... You know what? None of this would be a problem if you use a decent bloody password in the first place. <laughs> like just taking your same shit password and putting a comma in... It's such a neat... To be honest, I think it was a more humorous thing than something of any, any value. Go to 1Password, <laughs> your 1Password password manager, generate a strong password that's got lots of characters that are genuinely random, and then it doesn't get cracked anyway. So you're fine. There you I, I saw it. I dismissed it. Max, have you seen the strange story of Dell and HP network switches? Coming with American Megatrend stickers, not Megatrends on internal ships. Nope, haven't heard that. Can't comment. Rando explained Netflix thing. Basically, Netflix alarms went off every hour as entire time zones dropped offline because it was time to go celebrate. Who was here on Y2K? Remember Y2K? I was working in London in Y2K, and I just remember getting paid a lot of money and getting driven home in nice cars because we had to stay up late for many nights before Y2K because everything was apparently going to blow up. Um, and it didn't really. It didn't. Not at all. Let me talk about a couple new breaches. Well, let me talk about one new breach and then talk very, very generically about another one. Redline Stealer Malware. So uh, Bob Dychenko, who's a very noteworthy uh, security researcher, tweeted the other day that he had found exposed logs from the Redline Stealer Malware uh, so imagine malware running on your machine, logging keystrokes, you're authenticating to various services, and it's going, oh, cool, you're logging on to XYZ website. This is the email address and password you've just used. Dump it into the log. Now here's 6 million rows worth of data. 
Now that's obviously very, very useful because you literally have the credentials, not just for the account that people are logging into, but because most people aren't using a password manager, the all the other accounts of the person. And we're back to credential stuff again. So Bob found this data exposed, sent it to me. That's now and have I been pwned with, geez, I have, I have a feeling I didn't actually quote the number of accounts. I just had a really, really weird, what's the opposite of a premonition? Something's already happened. Just had the weird realization that this might be the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so my have I been pwned tweet said new breach. Logs from the red line stealer malware were left publicly exposed and contain usernames, email addresses, and plain text passwords. 26% were already in have I been pwned. I didn't put the number in there. It's something like 450,000. Uh, and that number is actually one of the fields in have I been pwned. So that, that is actually captured in the system. But I really need to uh, add that to the list here. You don't want to be in this. Because not only is your plain text password and email address now exposed, but you now realize you've got malware somewhere on your machine or one of your machines. So that wasn't good. Um, there is another one, and I don't want to name it yet, but there's one that was sent to me by multiple people circulating very extensively in the usual communities. And I got this. And I saw the number. It's a seven-figure number of unique email addresses. And I just went, ah, oh, crap. I can't find any reference to having had a breach. So I've got to go do disclosure. And I was ready to go through a painful disclosure process, but it was large enough. And the impacted data was significant enough that it's like, look, this is, this is worth it. So I've, I've got a template. So I pull out my template. I start a new email. I send it off. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it, because it's fairly serious, I'll give it a day and then I'm just going to tweet and ask for a security contact. And like 10 minutes later, I got a response back uh, and ended up yesterday on Zoom calls trying to explain what had happened to to someone uh, who was just exceptionally receptive. And uh, uh, at, at the moment, it's one of my most positive breach disclosure processes. That will be and have I been pwned in the next day or two. Uh, and I'm quite confident that they will do the right thing in terms of their their disclosure. So I'll be able to talk about that more next week. But uh, that's there in the pipeline. There's a bunch of other stuff in the pipeline as well. If all breach disclosure was this easy, there'd be so much more data and have I been pwned because I'd get a lot of my time back. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, so look, last thing. And I sort of thought about this a week ago, but as we get to the end of the year and everyone's a little bit retrospective, uh, I was thinking who are the, the organizations or the services or the products or things that, that I've just... That are my favourites. I think I put favourites in the description of this weekly update. Now, there are a bunch of companies that I've been doing a lot of work with, uh, and there are a bunch of companies that pay me nothing, but I use their products a lot, and they're, they're super, super cool. So I thought, look, just to sort of round out the year before I wrap this up and go and sit in the sunshine or do something nice outdoors, socially distant from everyone else, <laughs> I'd, I'd run through one of these. And like literally the first one I had on my list was one password it wasn't intended to coincide with the last past stuff uh, but obviously there's a company i do have an affinity with i'm still on their board of advisors i talk to them a lot and i this is like literally my most used must be my most used piece of software like after my browser uh, every single day i'm in there multiple times for passwords secure notes uh, banking details just everything you could possibly imagine uh, not just me, but Charlotte and both the kids as well. And I just can't imagine life without a password manager. Uh, 
so they have been fantastic and I'm really happy that they made available for free well not for free but they made available for 50% discount that family's account as well I think that's still going if you're not familiar with that go to my blog very recently it was like it comes down I think $2.50 a month for a family of five for a password manager so you know, the, the financial barrier is basically non-existent I mean that's a that's a coffee <laughs> like a coffee a month one password up there, Nord VPN, of course, is up there. Nord, I've had, it must be just over a year now uh, as, as a strategic advisor for them as well. Uh, and look, I mean, that's that's been an interesting one. I said at the time that one of the reasons I want to try and work more with Nord is I think it's a really good product, which I which I do use a lot. But I think they need to work more on their on their marketing and their transparency. And that is something that we've been working on together and producing a bunch of material as well. And... You know, I've, I've, there's loads and loads and loads of different companies I do various things with, but Nord is one of those ones where every interaction I have with them is always just nice people switched on, uh, obviously just very passionate about what they do. There are other companies I have worked with in the past, some of which I've mentioned in this blog, in this in this video, where the experience has been very different. But Nord, very similar to the one password folks, has just always been positive. Uh, Lenovo was another one as well. Uh, I'm still on... Lenovo's uh, Insiders program. They do occasionally send me machines. I've actually got a Twitter photo out. They sent me a, a Legion laptop the other day, which is a massive gaming laptop, 17-inch laptop screen. Uh, so that is a product that I bought many, many, many times over before being on the Insiders and many, many times since. So my P1 that's over here, they did send me that some years ago. That's still going strong. That basically never gets shut down either. Uh, but the, what is it, 720? P720 desktop, which is driving everything you see here, I bought last year from my own hard-earned cash just because they're awesome machines. Uh, and it's a little bit like the password manager. It's like I spend every single day using Lenovo things. Both my kids are using Lenovo things. I bought Charlotte a Lenovo laptop a few months ago to rescue her from the tyranny of Apple. <laughs> says me with my Apple Watch and my iPhone and my iPad here. Let's say rescue her from the tyranny of Mac OS. Um, part tongue-in-cheek, part. So another big one there. Now, one that I have absolutely no financial interest in, but when I look around me, I realize I bought a lot of their stuff lately, is uh, Ubiquity. Is, uh, oh, hang on. No, Elgato. I'll come back to Ubiquity. So there's a lot of Elgato stuff. The camera that I'm looking at at the moment is on an Elgato mount. So that's actually mounted onto the wall. The cable coming out of the camera goes into an Elgato, uh, uh, cam, what do they call it, cam link. The one that can take HDMI and turn it into a webcam. That's why this picture looks so awesome because I've got a nice DSLR that behaves like a webcam. The two lights just there are Elgato and they're an Elgato mounts. And then my Stream Deck over here is Elgato. Uh, and for Christmas, I've got both the kids a Stream Deck too. Um, so that in case you've not seen the Stream Deck before, it is a five by three button little device. I can't pick it up because it's literally plugged in. And every single one of the keys is a little LCD screen and you can program them to do various things. So, you know, I've got one key here. <laughs> I've got one key to play sad violin. So the kids come in and they're really, really upset about something. And I go, point. Yeah. All right. So how, how bad was your day at school? Well, they, they called you a name. Okay. What happened then? Anyway, love a bit of sad violin. <laughs> it controls the lights here. It has uh, an integration into Home Assistant so I can call an automation via a webhook. 
So yesterday I spent a bunch of time with the kids doing things like uh, different buttons or do things like turn on different lights and make different scenes. And again, I've, I've never received anything from Elgato. <laughs> I bought everything retail, but it's just a super, super, super cool uh, company. And I really, really like the stuff they make. Everything they make just seems to be really just spot on. And look at the comments here. Um, Renault is considering a ThinkPad to replace his Elite Book. Ended up with an MSI gaming laptop, mostly for the button horsepower. Uh, okay, fair enough. Stephen, stop trying. I'm already looking at getting a Stream Deck. You don't need to encourage me more. The Stream Deck is really cool. Uh, the, the only... And I'm not sure how to do it differently. I've always wanted to be cool. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how to do it differently, but the main complaint I have is that the Stream Deck has to be plugged into a running PC or Mac, I assume, in order to work and it has to be unlocked. So I come into my office and my PC is locked and I want to turn on the lights. I can't. I've got to unlock the PC. The Stream Deck takes a few moments. It wakes up and then I can use the buttons uh, because inevitably the buttons are just triggering the software on the machine. But it also means, let's say for the kids, their laptops have got to be there. The laptop's got to be powered on. The laptop's got to be unlocked. So I have a bit of a complaint around that if you want to use it for things that aren't necessarily directly related to what you're doing on the PC right now. But I would love to be able to have like an offline version of that. Uh, well, it wouldn't be offline. I still have to do stuff online, but a, a non-PC dependent version of that. Because I'd like to be able to just press a button, let's say with no PC, and then it just has its own little, inevitably it's got a microprocessor in it, but its own little device. Uh, and it can make HTTP requests or, or trigger various things. But they're really, really, really cool. And I think they're like a couple of hundred Aussie bucks something, um, which is not not cheap, but it is something that I use every single day. Uh, what else is in here? Um, Stephen, first of home assistant, then press of printers now, it's upgrade multi-material, stream deck. Yeah, I'm, I'm just making you buy loads of, loads of expensive stuff, <laughs> Stephen. But it's because it's cool. We love it. Ubiquity. That's the other big one. So my house is still full of Ubiquity stuff. Ubiquity has has had quite the, <laughs> the 2021 as well, haven't they? I am surrounded by Ubiquity things. Uh, and I do have a close relationship with them. They do send me a lot of stuff. This happened after I bought a lot of stuff, really liked it, wrote about it, uh, and have since given them a bunch of product feedback, and then they send me new things. But there's so much ubiquity stuff in this house. I think I've got about 14 access points around the place, cameras everywhere, switches, UDM pros, the doorbell, the whole box and dice. So there's a huge amount of ubiquity in this house. Uh, and it it is a fantastic product. There have been various little bits and pieces that have bugged me that are improving. I mean, a really good example is uh, the doorbell. I wonder if my doorbell's working properly now. The doorbell is only Wi-Fi. Uh, which is fine because I can't run Ethernet to the point where the doorbell is anyway. It's only Wi-Fi, but the, the problem that I was having with the doorbell is that it would um, it would regularly drop off the network. Like it would seem to roam from one AP to another. And then for, I'm not sure why it would pick particular APs, but then it would lose connectivity. So they, they just had a release literally just within the last week where now you can pick any device and peg it directly to one access point. And someone made a comment later on. They said, look, you, you can always just create a separate SSID, a separate logical network, and just broadcast that from one AP and then just join 
the device to there, but it's like, yeah, that's now you know, look at my list of Wi-Fi things and I've got another network. It's, it's not ideal. Uh, so anyway, I'm very happy with the way that's evolving. Of course, going back to their dumpster fire of the year, they had that entire insider ransom uh, scenario where someone inside the organization in an infosec capacity stole a bunch of their data, uh, spun some, spun very large amounts of shit uh, to the likes of Brian Krebs and, uh, and tried to shake them down for money and then forgot to properly mask their IP when they, they started exfiltrating stuff from GitHub and is, is now almost certainly going to jail for quite some time. So not a great year for Ubiquity, but glad they came out of that okay. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what they do over the next year as well. Uh, Stephen is grateful for all the tech recommendations. <laughs> what I love about a lot of this tech, and I'm not sure if it's the same for you, Stephen, but uh, because of the nature of, of what I do and being self-employed, a lot of it, particularly just about everything in this room, I get to pay for it with pre-tax dollars, which is really handy because in real times with our tax rate here, it makes things cost almost half as much as if I couldn't do that. That's my justification. I'm sticking to it. Home Assistant, that was the other big one. Now, of course, Home Assistant, uh, nobody pays for it. I pay for Nabucasa, which is like five bucks a month. That's the, the ability to access your Home Assistant instance online. Money very, very well spent. They are pumping out Update after update after update. Almost every time I look at Home Assistant, which I have open over here now, there's another update. Uh, really, really well supported. One of the world's most active open source projects. Uh, it is something that is, is probably the most used piece of technology after Ubiquity I have in this house because it is constantly triggering various things. Uh, we, Because we had our booster shots yesterday, a bit tired, we went to bed early, left the kids up, and we went, all right, this is what time you got to go to bed, this is what time you got to go to bed. I will know, because of the number of motion sensors around the house, when you move from here to there. <laughs> so I got up this morning, pulled open the iPad, and it's like, yep, yep, they both did the right thing. It's like, I can see when the motion started in their bedroom again after they came up from the TV and then stopped. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more Home Assistant stuff uh, next year. And, and that is also a product that just gets better and better. Uh, he is massively, massively, massively hoping that in 2022, the two-year integration starts getting local control over the lights so that I'm not dependent on the cloud in order to turn some lights on or off. That would be a, a really, really big gain. Thank you, Home Assistant. And the people tirelessly working on that in the community. <laughs> GitHub was the other one. So I joined GitHub Stars this year, which was really cool. Oh, when I say I joined, they, they send me stuff, uh, which, is, which is really, really nice. I, I assume related to have I been pwned going open source. What's quite funny with, with GitHub is the kids love GitHub swag, um, which, is, which is great because nothing makes me more proud as a, as a father to see the kids getting really involved in tech and seeing my nine-year-old daughter constantly walking around in a GitHub t-shirt she won't take off. Now, I'd actually like her to have some more variety in her wardrobe, but I think it's very, very cool that it's like GitHub stuff all over the place and they have a very positive connection to the GitHub brand. Uh, plus, of course, I'm constantly using GitHub. I mean, all of the Pwn Passwords open source stuff is in GitHub. That's where the community coordinates around. That's where we're deploying from. I've got a massive, massive dependency on them uh, and... Yeah, I just think things would look very, very different without them. So there's that. A couple more. Prusa. We've touched on Prusa. Prusa has been awesome. And 
I've said before that I think that that 3D printer is the best tech educational thing I've ever bought the kids because I see so much excitement in their eyes to go out, find models, build models, slice them, send them to the printer. Whenever anyone comes around the house and they see the printer, it's like, wow, this is really cool. Tell me about this. It's just been the single best technology thing I've ever bought for the kids. Uh, and obviously, I have been quite enjoying it as well. Uh, so if you are... If you are so inclined, go and do that. Now, also, just off the tail end of that as well, Octoprint. So Octoprint is a Raspberry Pi, usually Raspberry Pi-based server for the 3D printer. So without that, you end up having SD cards that you sort of ship backwards and forwards with models on it. Octoprint runs on the Pi. I can print directly from the browser on my PC. In fact, I can print directly from Prusa Slicer. So there's software that allows you to actually slice the model up for printing. Uh, I only realized I could do this a few days ago. So I can literally go, okay, slice the model, send to printer and start printing, which just makes it super, super easy. Uh, and again, that's a, that's a community project available for free. I did donate them some money recently because I think they absolutely deserve it. Last one, just to finish on a really unusual note before we, we wrap up. Uh, favorite companies of 2021, FBI and NCA. Let's give law enforcement a shout out here. This, I think, goes against the assumptions that many people have of law enforcement agencies, but <clears throat> the, the willingness for, for both the, the feds in the US and the NCA in the UK to provide passwords from previous breach corpuses and things they come across in the course of their investigation, provide it to this like Aussie bloke running this service with a funny name <laughs> that has used yeah, one point something billion times a month now to check passwords has just been really, really cool. Uh, and I really hope that people do start to shift their perceptions a little bit of law enforcement agencies because I think that um, particularly sort of post-Snowden, uh, now some of this warranted, much of it not, there's been a very negative view of law enforcement agencies. Uh, and, and honestly, every single experience I have with both of these uh, and law enforcement agencies in Australia and other parts of the world. There's 20-something governments on board using Have I Been Pwned. Every single experience has been positive. They're not making me say this. It really, really has been positive. <clears throat> and um, I'd really like to see more opportunities for them to, to contribute stuff back into the community that's, that's useful and impactful in the way that they run online services. Uh, so we, we do have that ingestion pipeline up and running now. We're expecting passwords to start flying through very soon. We're having some conversations just in the last 24 hours about that. And as time progresses, I'm going to update folks more on uh, on what sort of contributions they are making into the password pipeline. We know the NCA's contribution is about 220 million new passwords, which is great. And I'm sure we'll see something very similar from the FBI over the period of time. Last comments here. <coughs> Excuse me, before I wrap up, uh, Rambling Geek, I've been using Octoprint for a while. I've recently configured it to power the printer on off when a print is sent and completed. Oh, that's cool. What what plugin is that? So this is one of the cool things for people that haven't seen this before. There are a lot of plugins for Octoprint. I got one recently, which was uh, which I'm finding really useful, which effectively like five minutes before the print finishes it turns off the, the the heating on the bed because really you want the bed to cool down before you pop the print off but once you're well and truly away from the bed anyway it doesn't really need to be heated up uh, so that has made my life a little bit easier 
And I'm still looking for other things too. I, I did try the time-lapse one some time ago. If you've not seen that before, imagine like a 3D printer. It's, it's uh, the, the build plate is moving backwards and forwards like this on the y-axis. Uh, and then you've got the print head, which is moving left and right on the x-axis and moves up and down on the z-axis. And to make these super, super cool time-lapses, um, there's a plugin I forget the name of now, which can move the print head back out of the way, take a photo, and then bring it back and continue printing. Now, it takes longer because you're having to keep moving it over the way, but it puts the build plate back in the same position, gets the print head in the same position. So what it looks like is that the print just grows out of the bed, which is enormously cool. Not great for the quality of the prints, in my experience, because you have to keep sort of moving the head away and things cool down and it gets a bit stringy. But super, super cool anyway. Mike says, hope to see you in the UK next year. Beers on me. I would really, really hope, uh, yeah, hope we could do that as well. My my hope at the moment uh, is that we are in Europe for probably most of December. That's that's the goal. Uh, so we, we do have a wedding to do in September, and we want to be able to then go and actually have time uh, back in Norway and inevitably the UK as well, Mike, around December time frame. But who knows, right? Like a year ago, would we thought that, it would be like it is now. I, I don't know. Everyone's kind of guessing. But anyway, I'm going to keep doing what I do and we'll just, we'll adjust. We'll get on. All right, folks, I'm going to wrap it up there. Like I said, next week, I will very possibly not be able to do this live, but I'll do it from somewhere absolutely epic and amazing. And when I get back to connectivity, I will publish it. I hope everyone has an awesome new year and that 2022 doesn't result in another 3D print like this. Thanks, folks. I will see you later.